When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great week. Today I've got my great fan. <laughs> a Freudian slip there. <laughs> Derek, I am your greatest fan. It is true. I'm not going to lie. I, I meant to say, I'm blushing right now. It's funny. I mean, I know you can't tell, but I'm like getting hot and blushing. I'm embarrassed. Today I've got my great friend, Stephen Vandegraaff. So how's it going, Steve? I'm doing great, and I am your great fan as well, Derek. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. It's been a great week. Last week, I think I texted you, but we went camping, went up to the lake. We set up the biggest tent we have. We have a small tent for like backpacking and a big one for the whole family. We set up the big tent, and we just spent like a day and a night just basically trying to build the biggest fire possible. And it was fun. Kids loved it. I felt like I was back in Boy Scouts and we probably put out a carbon footprint that was probably unhealthy, but we had a lot of fun and everyone survived. So we were doing great. That's cool. What'd you do this weekend? Well, you've been doing a lot of camping lately. I mean, I guess it's that time of year. It's cooling down, leaves changing. Great time of year to be outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the sweet spot for camping is like age four to 10 and my kids are just so into it. I think older kids like kind of don't want to do it later. And when they're little, like don't take babies camping. I've tried that too, but right. we're definitely trying to soak it up when the weather's good and when they're into it for sure. That's cool. That's interesting. Cause I mean, we did the same thing. We went camping too. Actually, my, my mother-in-law came to visit us. And so we took her out to our favorite place on the lake. It's the Lake Sam Rayburn. It's actually a very popular fishing lake. They have a lot of bass pro tournaments on the lake. So yeah, we took the kayaks and it really was, it was gorgeous. But my favorite memory of the trip, we found this little beach spot that was out on our own. Ashlyn, my oldest, started stomping around and found out that it was super muddy. So we all took a big mud bath together and it was awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Picture or it didn't happen. You should post it on the Facebook page. Did you get any pics? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. When we started, it was a little bit chilly and none of the other girls wanted to do it. So I had to go first and I forgot my swimsuit. So I just got down to my skivvies, started <laughs> rolling around <laughs> in the mud. And so eventually I got all the girls to, to get in too. So I'll post a picture just for you, Steve. Thanks. And I think I may post a picture of you and your skivvies when we were in <laughs> dental school and we went swimming and you didn't bring your swimsuit. Oh, so gee. you just wore <laughs> no. I won't post that picture. I'm pretty sure you don't have a picture of that. It's a video actually. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So let's jump into it. Today I wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind for a while. So many times on forums, I'm seeing dentists asking about how far everyone is booked out. 
And then, you know, you'll see an array of responses. For some reason, it usually ends up in this little competition with the dentist that is booked out the longest appearing to, for whatever reason, being superior to the rest of the dentists with that are not booked out as long. And this has always rubbed me wrong. How is this a good measure of the success of a dentist or a practice? If I really wanted to, I could start seeing a few patients a day and I could immediately be booked out for months and months. But how would this benefit me? Obviously, this is an extreme example, but still. So I've taken an in-depth look at a lot of dentists' practices over the last few years. And very often, the ones that are booked out for a pretty long ways, usually those dentists don't have a very productive or efficient daily schedule. Not always, but very often. I would go so far as to argue that it's possible that they are booked out that far because they're not being efficient enough or productive enough. But one thing is for sure that they are losing business by being booked out so far. So, Steve, why do you think that dentists use this as almost like an indicator to measure their success in their practice? Yeah. Well, let me first say thank you, Derek, for selecting this topic because I have also thought this is a big fallacy right now among in dentists' minds. I think it makes dentists feel good about themselves and almost safe in their practice if they can look out on the schedule and say, man, all these people are lining up for weeks or months to see me. I'm going to be a-okay. I've got production set for months now. And let's face it, when there's a lull in our practice or a really low month, it's really natural for us to start to worry and wonder if maybe things are changing for our practice. So I think it makes them feel safe and probably good about themselves. But I feel, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, a schedule that's booked out far into the future doesn't mean you're doing everything right and that there are much better criteria to judge yourself and to determine on how you can improve your practice for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think a big part of it is that in general in life, we want security. We want to feel confidence that two months from now, we're still going to have a job. So as dentists, we want to feel that same confidence that two months from now, we're going to be able to be busy in our practice. And we may feel that the only way to have that confidence is to actually have patients on the books two months in advance. In my opinion, this is wrong. And this is what we're going to dive into today. So first, let's talk about ideal. So Steve, just talk about your practice for a minute. How far do you like to be booked out? Ah, so you want the ideal, so you asked me about my office, is that right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There is no higher standard. (laughs) Sure. I'm just kidding. I actually really do like my current schedule. I'm fully booked out for tomorrow, and then I'm almost full for two days after that, and then I'd say probably for next week, I'm about half full each day, and that's doctor side. This allows us to do a couple things. For doctor side appointments, if somebody calls tomorrow, we can work them in 
at least as a walk-in that very same day. Usually there's at least a couple openings that come up throughout the day and with patients canceling or having some issue, but we can get a patient or two in that very same day if they're having an issue. And lots of people call with issues, so it works very well. Patient calls and they can't come in today. We have uh, at least a couple appointments available tomorrow or the day after and lots of options the next week. Hygiene patients in my practice, they can usually get an appointment within a couple days or I would say at least next week because my front desk is calling people to confirm, make sure they're coming to their appointments and they're moving patients off that can't come in so that there's space for these new incoming hygiene patients. Every day I'm still very, very busy, really busy, but I'm not booked out very far. I'm still very busy every single day, but patients, they don't have to wait long to get in. And I can't tell you the number of patients who I ask how they found us or how they come to our practice. And they say that they've called so many other practices, so many other dentists, and they can't get in until, you know, a month or two or who knows when, but you guys got me in right away. It's kind of a culture and an expectation in my office that we do this. And if we were booked out solid for weeks or months, we would certainly miss out on so much of my practice's everyday production. So I don't know if I'd say my practice is ideal, but I think it is working very well for us. Do you see it similarly, Derek? Yeah, I do. It's interesting to me that you and I have different practice models, but if I had to pick my ideal schedule, I can pretty much choose exactly what you just described word for word. I think part of the issue is, and I experienced this more in the beginning of practice ownership, that I'd have a decent month and then I'd be looking at next month and I'd be thinking, okay, this is how much we have scheduled. And I'd be kind of worried about, are we going to have a good month next month? And if next month is good, what about the month after? And it's almost like at that point, I hadn't experienced a successful month enough times in a row to really feel confident about what the future was going to bring. But eventually you get to this point where you have pretty consistent growth and you continue to get better and better that at some point you just stop worrying about what the next month is going to bring and you become more confident in adding treatment and getting patients to to commit and all of these things that we're talking about. So, yeah, and that is a great place to reach I think as a practice owner. Most owners I mean, we all really understand that kind of stress or underlying worry. When you get to that confidence where you've been able to do this for a few years and you're not worried anymore, it's a great place to be. Right. Yeah, totally agree. I do want to talk about a few of the variables or, uh, you know, details that go into planning for this, because I don't think that necessarily every practice would or or should see this the same way. For the most part, I think that what Steve and I have described is pretty ideal for the majority of practices out there. But let's talk about a few variables and how it might play into it. I think that the number of new patients per month that you have is going to weigh into this equation pretty heavily. The more new patients that you see each month, the more flexibility that you need in order to be able to work them in. So in that type of a situation with a higher amount of new patients, you'd rather be booked out less. 
In my office, we see on average about 50 new patients per month. I think part of the reason we get a good number of new patients is because we are able to get patients in relatively quickly, kind of like you described, Steve. If we weren't able to, I'm willing to bet that many of these new patients would likely end up at another office. It's almost kind of like a a chicken and the egg situation. Because you're not booked out, you have appointments and you can get more new patients. But then at the same time, the more new patients that you get, the less booked out you need to be in order to be able to work them in. That's kind of part of the equation. If you don't get as many new patients per month, then you mostly depend on your existing patient base, which I'm guessing is probably the minority as far as, you know, whoever's listening right now, because most of us are aggressively growing and trying to reach higher goals and stuff like that. But if you don't get as many new patients and you mostly depend on your existing patient base, you can probably have things a little bit more predictable and not need as many openings. You agree with this, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. At the same time, I think even practices that have a really large established type patient base, they should be getting, you know, a pretty strong flow of new patients, whether it's from internal referrals or word of mouth or just organic snowball growth from from doing good dentistry in an established practice. So even then, I think you need to have a plan for or an availability for new patients. Kind of like you mentioned, if you don't get them in, they'll go somewhere else. I mean, I, I needed a contractor last week for some repairs on a rental property and I called the first guy or two, I think, and went right to voicemail. Third guy I called, he said he was booked out for three weeks. And so the last guy, he answered and said he'd go over to the property and look at it the next day. You can guess who got our business. And that guy, he could have charged probably way more than everyone else and would have still got it just because he was available. And I think it's the same way with most businesses, including ours. If we can't deliver, if we can't be available for someone when they need us, there's a few more pages on Google of other dentists right around us that people will call as soon as they hang up with our front desk to find someone that they can get in with. I know you kind of mentioned that already, but I just want to drive that point home that new patients in in a strong way are like a lifeblood to our practices. And if we're putting up a barrier to getting them in with a solid booked out schedule, we may be really proud of our schedule, but at the same time, just shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Great points. I agree a hundred percent. hundred percent? Yes. One hundred percent. I think, uh, yeah, I know <laughs> it's amazing because I don't, I don't normally agree a hundred percent. You made me kind of think again about what I said. You know, I just said that for the majority of those listening, I think this is going to be the ideal for you and your practices as well. I really think the only practices that I know of that are more what I'm describing that are basically just have kind of a stable patient base and not a lot of new patients are older docs that are pretty happy where they're at and don't really care about getting new patients. And that's the practice you want to buy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Another thing, this kind of goes along the same lines, but uh, another thing that can kind of go along with that is it depends on how many emergency appointments you normally have throughout the week. Obviously, the more that you have, again, the more flexibility that will be needed to work those patients in. So if you have a younger patient base uh, that maybe not have those things as much, you may not have as many. 
But, you know, a lot of times when I hear of doctors that are booked out a month or more, I immediately think of how much production they're missing out on by not being able to see emergency patients. I mean, your example, so you mentioned it earlier, Steve, how just that a lot of your production is very dependent on same day and being able to get people in same day. And your example there with the contractor that you're looking at is a perfect example as well. The guy that could basically get you in same day to take care of your problem is the one that got your business. That happens the same with us as dentists. For me, I probably see on average two to three, maybe four limited exams per day. I have an older patient base where it's common to see abscesses and broken teeth. Also, this is, this is a big way that we get new patients as well. It's just by being available. Let me ask you this, Steve. There are some offices that when they are booked out, one way that we'll try and remedy this is by keeping blocks of appointment times for new patients or for emergencies. What are your thoughts on this? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, it may work differently for other people. I like the intent of that strategy to get new patients in. And I think it is kind of a template or a really black and white approach of how to get your front desk to allow new patients to get in the schedule. But I don't really like blocking the schedule off for somebody that may not really end up calling or coming in. In my experience, if your front desk is calling and texting tomorrow's appointments today, and the next day's patients, we know we have a good feel for who's coming and maybe who hasn't confirmed. I think there's going to be inevitably some openings here and there that occur and a motivated front desk can work people into those spots. I'm not saying this is a bad way to just block off the schedule, but I've found personally that kind of works for me. What about you? You probably have uh, tried this before. You Have you blocked off the schedule for potential incoming new patients? Yeah, I did this a, a few years ago, and it was at a time when I was booked out longer. It was a method for trying to prioritize new patients or when we would diagnose perio disease and we wanted to have scaling and root planning options. For new patients and scaling and root planning, we had 90-minute appointments for both of those. So we did that. We would set aside some blocks of, of time to be able to get those patients in. It just wasn't predictable enough. We would have it work out some of the time, and then other times we'd have we'd be in a scramble trying to fill that a day or two before. So we don't do that anymore at this point. Some dentists will do the same thing, blocking off their schedule on the restorative side to try and work in limited exams. If you have to do this, I don't think it's a horrible idea. I'd rather you do this than not be able to see those patients at all. But in my schedule, we can almost always work in a limited exam, even if I have zero of my time available. If the assistant can triage, get some x-rays, and then I can hurry and take a quick look, make a diagnosis, and then uh, we either figure a way to work them in to the day or find a solution where the patient's happy, give them something for the day that will help resolve their pain and then reschedule them. Yeah. But I did want to bring this up and discuss this because I really believe that one of the keys to consistent high production days is being able to add significant same-day treatment. Here's one of the reasons. When patients are in the chair and they say yes to treatment right then and there, that is the very best opportunity. Do you know how many patients I've had that have canceled or no-showed to their same-day treatment appointment? 
Zero. It's never happened. Zero. Yeah. Because if they're already there, they don't have to set up another time or go through the hassle of remembering and committing and coming again. They're already there in the practice, in the chair. So make the most of that experience and find a way to offer same-day treatment. The majority of people really appreciate being able to get dentistry done that same day. If you're booked out too far, you're likely not offering many same-day opportunities to get treatment done. You're missing out on some production there. Yeah. Yep. Great point. So now let's talk about a few possible solutions. If you're listening to this and you do find yourself in a situation where you are booked out too far, let's talk about some of that. So the first question is, how far is too far? Some of this is my own opinion, and a lot of it comes from listening to phone calls and things from the front desk and talking to other dentists and coaching and, you know, a lot of different feedback from different areas. But anytime that you have patients calling and they don't feel like they can get in quick enough and they tell you that they'll call you back and let you know, that means that they want to call another office. So that's a good indicator as far as how far booked out are you. If you're getting responses like that, you're probably booked out too far. Mm -hmm. Another indicator is any time that any of your patients delay scheduling treatment because they can't get an appointment soon enough. For the most part, two weeks is most people's limit that I've found. I think that the reason is this. For most people, two weeks feels relatively immediate. Most people can think, okay, today's Monday. I I can see the rest of this week. And then next week, I have a little bit of an idea what's going on. But beyond that, it's tough for people to imagine committing or remembering something in the future. It's just too far. Yeah. Not too far to plan out a trip or a vacation, but it's definitely too far to schedule some dental appointment that could easily become a lower priority. And then again, we're dealing with higher cancellation rate, the further that someone's booked out for getting work done. Definitely agree with that. Good point. It's funny the people that you book way out they miss their appointment so often then you have, they blocked off that appointment when you do get closer to the date and you can't get someone in, in that spot. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. It's a negative feedback loop in a way you're booked out and you, you're not optimizing your time because you may have cancellations, but because you're booked out, you're scheduling things and then you continue that higher cancellation rate. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've kind of established how far is too far to be booked out, let's look at what your options are as far as solutions to this. Option number one, work more hours. But who really wants to do this, right? I mean, I'm sure that there are some that might, but likely if you're already booked out far, you're probably already working the maximum numbers a number of hours that you want to. And you probably know that you could work more, but you opt not to. Not a great option there. Second option, you could hire more employees. That may mean hiring another hygienist if you have the capacity to, and if hygiene is booked out. If restorative is booked out too far, uh, you could consider hiring a dentist, bring on another associate dentist. Obviously, this comes with a set of uh, its own concerns. You're probably going to have to expand hours. You may have to cut back 
your own hours and share some of the treatment with the associate in order to keep them occupied. You may have to hire more staff, but it's definitely going to lead to more management. So you have to consider those things. And then you also have to consider when you hire an associate, it needs to be an associate that can take advantage of the patient base. Are they going to be able to diagnose and treatment plan comprehensively? Are they going to be able to run a, a productive schedule? And then maybe even if you get one of those great associates in there, what's going to happen when you have turnover? Not that I'm trying to dissuade anyone from doing that, but it's good to think through all of those possible issues that could come up that you may have to work through. So that is option number two. Option number three which I think we're getting a little bit better as we go along here. But option number three is to condense your schedule. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean working less, but I mean figuring out how to schedule more efficiently, more productively. There's almost always more opportunity to continue to work and and to tweak the schedule in order to do more each day. I'm in my fifth year of practice ownership. I've shared this before, but we started out in the beginning with a daily goal of 4,500. And at the time, that was that was a big goal for me. Now our daily goal is 14,000. But even after the years of work and really continuing to grow this goal and grow the schedule and how productive we are, we're still always constantly reevaluating and trying to find opportunities to continue to enhance the way that we are scheduling and reaching our daily goals. Yeah, this is a great point. And I, I would definitely look at condensing your schedule if you're booked more than a couple of weeks out. I'm kind of skeptical of the schedule that dentists say they have when they're booked months out. I think there's that's probably inefficient scheduling in most cases. There's probably people listening to us that have like that are booked out months and they're like, these guys are such jerks. They don't know what they're talking about. But no, really, I would say in most cases, this schedule, they're probably producing a, a small fraction of the numbers that you just mentioned for your practice, Derek, and you're booked out like a couple of days, right? So I think more needs to be done in the same amount of hours each day. And if you've purchased Academy or if you're a client, go ahead and you can look up Justin's schedule in um, the scheduling module and you can get a good kind of examples of how you want to have your appointments booked each day. If you're a client or you have Academy, feel free to email Derek or me and we can share a couple screenshots of good examples of our days in different types of practices that can kind of illustrate this. But I would look not just months out, but look at today and tomorrow and evaluate, just like you said, how can you do more, not hectic, but do more in an efficient way in the same amount of time? Yeah. Yeah. Great points. We've mentioned this before, but really all you can do today and what your number one priority today should be is maximizing your, your opportunities right now. You know, you should be looking at the schedule today, finding out where things can be worked in, finding ways to add same day treatment. The more that you can maximize every individual day by what's already there in your practice, the more that you're going to be able to add to that, have kind of this constant buffer that is always adding a little bit to the daily goal. Yeah. 
So there's option number three. Oh, number four is really good. Option number four. This is my favorite. Raise your fees. If you haven't listened to the episode that Steve and Justin did a few weeks ago, go back and listen to that one. Personally, this would be one of my top choices, depending on how far you're booked out and what the schedule looks like. I have a client right now that is booked out two months solid on the restorative side. So our plan has been mostly these two points. One has been going back and rehashing the schedule, figuring out how to make it more productive. And the second point has been raising fees. Yeah. I would definitely put this at the top of the list if you're booked out that far. And for listeners out there, raising fees means, yes, you can raise your fees. But if you're in network with insurances, raising fees also means dropping the least favorable insurances. So you basically you're trading the new patients that come from those really low fee insurances for more time to work on higher value patients and higher reimbursed treatment, if that makes sense. And or renegotiating. Renegotiate. Yes. Yes. I think we've talked about that a few times, but if you haven't, that's a no brainer. Don't think twice. Do that. But to this point, I like what our friend Scott Luna, his old advice on this, and he says, your focus and marketing needs to, it depends on what your schedule looks like. So we're accepting insurances and we're marketing to all new patients until you are scheduled two weeks out with zero available appointments. At that point, you stop accepting everything and reaching out to everyone and you start dropping strategically the right insurances. Your marketing changes from getting people in your net to getting the high value procedures and the right patients into your practice. And I'd maybe err on less than the two weeks with no appointment rule, but the idea and strategy I think is really helpful in this way. Great. Good points there. Option number five. So, and this is the last option. The last option is to get faster. This is an obvious one. Much of the time, this is not something that you can change overnight or in a few weeks or a month or something like that. You can often do several of these other things that we've previously talked about. You can make those changes relatively quickly and see results. With option number five of getting faster, sometimes this just takes reps. But it's not just reps. It takes a lot of self-evaluation. Ask yourself, when is the last time that you reviewed your clinical protocols and evaluated to see if there were any steps that you could do more quickly or trained your assistants to do more, allowing you to see more patients or attended a course or, or something that maybe streamlined specific procedures or helped you in some way. I think there's a lot of options here, but this is more of a long-term investment where we're getting results over the long-term than rather than the short-term. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one as well. I think most dentists don't want to consider this one right away because it can translate in our minds to being rushed or busier which it doesn't need to be. I like your methodical approach of how to reevaluate each thing you do and try to cut out inefficiency. At the end of the day, though, this is, I mean, you need to consider this because if we want to produce and collect more other than raising fees, only way to do that is to do more dentistry. 
So this will definitely play a role as well. Yeah. While we're on this topic, there's one last point. I guess this is five. That was five A. This is five B. Really, point number five is doing more dentistry. But if you can get to the point where you are treatment planning more in phases, you're doing quadrant dentistry or a multi-quadrant dentistry with patients, this is going to make a big difference. And this is actually another part of our plan with the client that I was talking with about earlier. The other part of our plan here is that he's in a new practice and he almost feels like he's kind of been putting out fires and doing lots of single tooth appointments, trying to fix things. And he's having a hard time getting ahead and really being productive with the schedule because this is kind of how it's been. And so we've had to discuss coming up with a plan that really we need to be doing comprehensive dentistry and getting more work done at individual appointments with patients. Because this is one thing that I think in his practice is contributing to the long wait list to get an appointment into his office because they're having to prioritize treatment. So something that would normally be able to get done in one more productive appointment is now taking two or three appointments because of the way that they are scheduling things. So this will be a little bit of a tough transition in the beginning, but a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, we should see the schedule start to get booked out not as far because we're being able to complete more of the dentistry and work through that list more efficiently and more quickly. Yeah, I think that's a great plan for that dentist you're working with, Derek. And you mentioned a negative feedback loop earlier. I think this is like a positive feedback loop, or I guess it would have at least a positive compounding effect. If you, for example, have a patient where you do two crowns in one appointment instead of doing two crowns over two separate prep dates, then not only did you double your productivity for that one appointment, but you also saved yourself two future appointments down the road. And those two future appointments can be filled with similar other appointments. So it grows on itself. And I think if you produce a lot more in each appointment, then your schedule will be lighter or at least more available for future appointments to do basically the same thing. So it kind of builds on itself in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, uh, we're wrapping things up here. I want everyone listening to remember the big picture here. We've gone into detail and honestly, if you can pick a number of problems to have in a practice, this is one of the best problems to have because you have good options for how to improve and see an increase in production and collections to make your time more efficient. And remember the big picture here, what we're doing is we're trying to lessen the stress. A lot of these dentists, when they're booked out so far, I've found that a lot of these dentists have more stress. When they go home, they're thinking about the practice a lot more. So ultimately what we're trying to do is trying to find a way where you can really maximize the time where you're in the practice. You can get as much done as possible. And then when you go home at the end of the day, you're able to really be at home, be with your friends and family and be present and not be distracted by other issues that are out there. Amen. Well said. Well said, Derek. 
Yeah. We really appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate your feedback and thoughts. Feel free to email any of us if you'd like to hear anything about other topics, Derek, Steve, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Break a sweat, cause I live my life like it's all I got.